American podcasters are lost in the swirling maze of past and future ages during their latest series of movie reviews. It's the Time Shifters Podcast. We're going to attempt time travel. Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. This show discusses film and television from the long and recent past as well as the news and events surrounding them. We thank you for tuning in and would love to hear from you. Follow the link in the show notes to all our social media and websites, or send us an email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. All I'm asking you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension. Everyone, and welcome back to Time Shifters. This is Christopher, and as always, I am here with Tom. Tom, how have you been? How's your last couple weeks? Well, I feel like I'm moving through time. No, uh, <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately, and uh, I apologize to all of our listeners, uh, I am nursing the tail end of a cold. So if I'm deeper and sexier, well, you're welcome. <laughs> if I'm nasally and irritating, well, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that, should, that should be your apologies, but... Oh, wait, did I get that wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am glad that you're feeling better. Um, I'm glad that your cold decided to strike you in between recordings. Indeed. We've got some fun little things to talk about here at the top of this show. First off, real quick, we've had some fun trailers drop uh, the week of recording. The first full trailer for the new Black Adam film starring Dwayne Johnson. That looks pretty cool. I've been kind of looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this since uh, since the uh, Shazam film. And uh, Dwayne Johnson's been looking forward to this for far longer. <laughs> That's true. He has wanted to play Black Adam uh, since comic book movies came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know much. Well, honestly, I don't really know anything about Black Adam. So I'll be going this is one of those fun films where i go in with absolutely no baggage and no expectations as to what i'm to expect from a character oh and i'm by no stretch of the imagination a black adam uh um expert uh, i i've read stuff with him i had to explain to my own son though he's like but shazam's not in it and i'm like believe it or not shazam and black adam have almost very little in common uh, other than the source of their power. So, hmm. yeah, I have to, I was kind of with your son there. I was expecting this to be sort of a, um, semi sequel to the Shazam. Right. I'm actually glad that they're taking it at least in the proposed direction that they are. Cause the way that they did the, the Shazam movie, um, which was a lot more comedic, uh, obviously fake muscles and all, and all. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson isn't rocking fake muscles, so it would have felt weird if you had had the Shazam character show up with his big balloon muscles, and you had a man that actually is built like a rock. <laughs> uh, it would have felt wrong. So if they choose at some point to bring the characters together, which is a logical thing to do at some point, I hope they find a way to pull that off so it doesn't look so cheesy. Okay. I was having a hard time gauging exactly when this is supposed to take place. Right. It looked very in-the-future sort of thing. Or another world, I really don't know. Far be it from DC Entertainment. Now, I'm not going to get into comics versus comics, but... uh, Far be it from DC's movie things to steal any ideas from Marvel. So the notion that somehow this might be another Earth, uh, (laughs) it would be entirely an independent thought upon their own part as opposed to uh, taking that from anybody else. (laughs) Well, DC has had actually the multiple Earths. They've played with that for a long time. Oh, of course they have, but they did that on their TV shows. It's not been clear that that's what they do with their movie properties. 
Oh, right. Well, it's always been uh, in th- through their comics as well. Sure. Uh, yeah, they migrated to the TV shows. Oh, but... yeah, and they both stole that from, uh, I don't know who did it first, but, yeah, they've been ripping that off of each other for a while. Yeah, well, there was some scenes in the early part of this trailer where I actually, you're talking about Marvel, I had to remind myself that this is a DC property because I, th- I kind of thought, oh, look, Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, which maybe that's a good feeling to have because, I mean, Marvel, uh, whether you like them or not, their production and their story is usually pretty good. So DC has not been (laughs) so good at it. Well, yeah, and like I said, Shazam, I thought, was one of their highlights. Yeah. Uh, So that's where I was kind of looking. And, of course, they teased the whole Black Adam at the end of the Shazam. So that's where I was thinking, okay, this is maybe leading to someplace kind of good. And then when you realize that it has nothing to do with Shazam, right. I'm like, hmm, okay, so now I'm I'm on the fence again now. <laughs> the fact that they're going to face off, um, well, again, if you watch the trailer, you get that. I like that they've struck that note. Uh, we were talking about it before the start. Uh, Black Adam from what little experience I have with him in the comics, it's never entirely clear whose side he's on. He is a guy that, uh, I have these abilities, my life has sucked, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. So, as the trailer lets on, it's the whole notion. You could be the savior of the world or the destroyer of it. And... The movie's not, at least the trailer's not giving you any indication which direction he'll choose to go. So, um, and that's a great way to deal with Black Adam is because that's exactly how the character plays out a lot of the time. And I also think it's a really great uh, casting decision to give Dwayne Johnson the role because you could see him going either direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've I've grown to really like Dwayne Johnson and the films he does. I think it's I think it's a lot of fun that he doesn't seem to take himself too seriously. No. Uh but he can be serious, you know, in the films. And I'm kinda looking forward to seeing him more in like the dramatic role that's gonna be you know, obviously he's gonna have a little bit of the tongue in cheek and kind of the humor and stuff in this. But it's going to be dramatic as well. I'm looking forward to that. And I'll never uh, diss any of his uh, his action prowess, especially. The man's a big man. <laughs> um, but yes, to that point, um, I, I feel like he's still on a, a trajectory to getting to even more serious, more dramatic roles where sometime, at some point I could envision him in films where... They drop the the pretext that he's not necessarily the action hero. He could just be a leading man at some point. I'd love to see him do it. I think he has it in him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And God help you if you're the one that tries to tell him that he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be me. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, another trailer come out, a little bit more of just a teaser trailer. It's been in the news off and on for quite some time. It's the Rob Zombie's take on the Munsters, and we get a, a, a quick teaser where he kind of recreates a portion of the the original uh, opening of the Munsters with the new cast, which I thought was kind of a fun way to, to kind of introduce them. Yeah, no. Uh... We'd only just seen stills up to this point. This is a total aside, but I... I, I... Before this had come out, I I had monsters on the brain anyways because, and forgive me, uh, do you remember the actor's name that played Herman? The, yeah, right to the point where you asked me. Ah, um, Fred Gwynn. Was Fred, it Fred Gwynn? I think that's accurate. I happen to be catching up on, uh, I, as I've been listening to audiobooks for Stephen King, I then try to follow up with the films that were associated, and... He was the old guy in, in um, Pet Cemetery, the original Pet Cemetery. So uh, catching him, I'm like, I miss the monsters. And then <laughs> here comes the trailer. <laughs> 
Thank you, Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah. It'll be curious to see where he goes with this. There's a lot of people hoping that it kind of goes the uh, the same direction as, like, the Adams Family movies. Yeah. Which could be fun. On the flip side of that, it could be, well, why? Because it's already been done with the Adams Family. Yeah, I know. And that's kind of the thing about... That was the thing at the time, even when uh, the Munsters and... The Adams family were out all about the roughly the same time anyway, and certainly an indis- in syndication together. Certainly, uh, and it was kind of like they they were kind of two sides of the same coin. <laughs> so it's kind of like yeah, either you you could like them both, you could like one or the other, but they're kind of the same thing no matter what. Um, so I'll be curious. This is Rob Zombie though, so. I actually, he he has this thing about his horror. He loves his horror. Yeah, see, that's where I'm thinking that this teaser may be nothing like what we'll actually see. Yeah, so it starts making me wonder if he is going to take the monsters to a really dark place. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's where I kind of would have expected it to go with Rob Zombie behind the at the helm. But the teaser trailer gives you no indication that any of that's going to happen. Right. And I don't know how I feel about it either way. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, if he did it really well, maybe? (laughs) But would that be sacrilegious to take the monsters, total dark, actually make them be the monsters that they are? And I don't know. I haven't read up enough on it. I don't know if there's even anything out there. So, Well, it's going to be a series, right? Is it? No, I think this one's a movie. I think the, the next thing we're going to talk about is the series. I, 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 I thought I saw at the end of the, the, the teaser that, that that was a movie, not a, not a series. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I believe, so. I believe you're correct. Yeah. So he's got a shot at doing pretty much whatever... It could be an interesting take if you make them casual like the monsters were. A regular family, but they are monsters. And have them do monstrous things as if they're just a regular family. I don't know. Could be a total Rob Zombie thing. Could be... You could go dark and still make it kind of funny. I don't know. We'll see. Well, speaking of Adam's family, that is the other little teaser, and this was truly just a teaser, yeah. is we get our first look at Wednesday. And this is a series of um, Netflix? Netflix, yes. And so we get to see uh, the the lead actress as Wednesday and Thing. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, and, and as we discussed uh, before we started... I want to know what kind of horrible accident Thing was in because he's covered in stitches and that has never been a thing that Thing had. (laughs) No, that's true. I might have had to accident slipped uh, with a garbage disposal or something. (laughs) Helping helping, uh, Grandmama in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those those suds are slippery. Yeah, exactly. You got to watch out. Um, no, but I mean, um, I didn't catch the actress's name. I read it once, uh, who's playing Wednesday. She looks great in the part, so love the long pigtail thing. Uh, but she's supposed to be older in this. Like, this is supposed to be Wednesday, not so much with the family. Yeah, Jenna Ortega. Thank you, yes. Um, yeah, I was actually got the impression this was going to be taking place. She's looked a lot younger than I was expecting her to be. But, I mean, I suppose she could be college age. Certainly, she's going away to boarding school, I think, is something is like the where the series, the premise t- kicks off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not supposed to be elementary school age like, like we've seen in the... Uh, elementary or middle school aged Wednesday like we saw in the Adams Family films or in the original series. This is supposed to be Yeah, so I guess it could teens. be like a late high school or yeah, late high school, early college mm-hmm. uh, age. But yeah, no, she looks fantastic. She's got that dark brooding look that Wednesday should have. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's all we got in the teaser. But yeah, the idea is this is supposed to be Wednesday more or less on her own, um, mm-hmm. where you'll get the occasional entrance of the various uh, Adamses. Right, exactly. Um, but I posted the trailer on the Facebook group. Steve Sullivan uh, commented that, that he said, after what he did with Dark Shadows... I'm never re- sure whether to anticipate or dread Tim Burton's work. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd forgotten that the Dark Shadows films was Tim Burton as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Steve's take is like, really, Tim? Just create something new rather than do what you want with a classic. It was his, uh, <laughs> his, his gripe. Since this is supposed to take it out of the normal, so may, uh, I'll give him some room to work. <laughs> I only bring up this really short teaser because it didn't do much or anything because it did bring us to the Adams family. It does bring us to Wednesday Adams, and one of the most famous Wednesday Adams was, of course, Christina Ritchie in the Adams family movies. Yes. And she's coming to the Cincinnati Comic Expo. No. Oh my God. That blows my mind. She's going to be there Saturday and Sunday. She's going to skip Friday. Who knows why? But she's going to be there Saturday and Sunday. That, I don't know, it's weird. Christina Ritchie to me just feels like, well, wait a minute, we're getting actual, like, stars? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, uh, no but we, we're getting, like, I, I realize some of them are more character-driven and all that, but we are getting a lot of heavy hitters at this They're thing. pulling out all the stops this year. It really feels like it. It's like they're trying to make up for... I mean, they had one last year. Yeah. They're like trying to make up for the year before, but doing it this year instead? Yeah, no. Like, I made the crack at this point. Um, it'd be easier to just give us the list of who's not coming. Yeah. Because the list keeps getting bigger. I'm like... Did they build another convention center that I'm not aware of? Because I don't even know where all these people are going. <laughs> yeah, and we've only talked about like the TV and movie celebrities and stuff. They're still listing comic uh, creators as well. It's going to be a packed floor. Yeah, artists, writers, actors, directors, voice character. Yeah, everybody. I'm not kidding. It's like everybody is coming to this thing. They keep this up. Cincinnati Comic Expo is going to be like the next San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> it's really it's starting to feel that way. Kinda, yeah, kind of. I, I, I mean, I'm I'm so looking forward to it. Uh, I hope we get to do more with it this year than we've done in past. Uh, but uh, on on top of it, yeah, I, I, I hope we have time to go see half of what's even there. Yeah, that's actually my fear is they're packing so much that there has got to be overlap. And I'm really terrified there's going to be some overlap of people that, like, well, no, I wanted to see them. And and I wanted to see them. Right, yeah, no, that is my (laughs) biggest fear is that, like, two that I really, really want to do a participate in some way, whatever it's the panel or whatever, that they're going to be doing it at the same time. And yes. Like, I don't even care if we could get some additional staff to help us uh, with anything. It's like, I want to go to both. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could send you with a recorder to one. I can listen to it later, but I want to be I want to be there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So... And vice versa. I suppose it's a good problem to have, but yeah, yeah I yeah, really don't is, know how they pull this off. <laughs> yeah, this is first world geek problems yeah, is what exactly. this is. I, I mean, our life is hard. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and it's still relatively early, too. I mean, I do understand that these people all have... Uh, you know, obligations and stuff that could raise their heads. They are all tentative because something could happen. Christina Ricci sure. could suddenly get a role and not be able to make it. Um, same with, you know, every William Shatner, Kevin Conroy, all these people that are coming. So there will be people dropping out, but there's so many that even if half of them dropped out, it's still going to be an incredible show. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited for it. Oh, I almost uh, forgot about this. This came up over on Twitter. Matt 
former co-host Matt came up with a time travel hypothetical. Later. And I thought it'd be fun to mention it here on the show, get your take, and see if we get any listeners' uh, take on it as well. So Matt wrote, If I went back in time to when I was a child and my younger self was in the hospital, would I, the adult me, be able to decline or consent to any and all testing done to my younger self because it's still my body, or would my parents have final say? Now, the, this... This raises questions. Uh-huh. Is time travel, in this sense, a known quantity? Mm. Meaning, do the people involved actually know that you are you and he is you? I asked that very question. Yes, and what was and the state? His response was, Assume let's let's assume that yes you you can and have proved that you are who you say you are. Yeah, because I'm assuming on a, a DNA test. But then yeah, uh, so in order to do that, you have to assume time travel is a known quantity. Then they're not. Mm-hmm. Nobody is questioning that this is a thing that is happening. Y- yeah. Uh, <laughs> My first guess my, my, my first thought was still that it would side with the parents but then he that's when he th- I, I did actually then I said well what about do you have evidence or can you prove that you are and he's like yes so you can prove it there's no doubt your parents accept that it's you who has that say to that child while I know that everybody's gut reaction is it's still going to be the parents um, it's you and it's an older version of you the question is, why would this come up? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> That's why it's a hypothetical. It, it is a hypothetical, but one I would have to assume, assuming you're not giving some sort of instructions that says, kill him, <laughs> like you euthanize the kid, uh, because it is you, one would assume you have your own best interest in heart, uh, and on top of it, uh, well, you made it to the older version of you, so you know something. Right. So, Well, that's my, my first response was that, yeah, like I said, would you be able to prove who you are? He says, I'm siding with the parents unless the adult you came back with evidence that said testing was harmful or fruitless, which might save mom and dad a few bucks, which you can use to create a time machine. And that's where he's like, so let's say yes, it's proven and accepted that I'm the future self of this child. Is it about knowing that self's future? It it simply is now an adult having to say over the medical care of their body, even though that body is technically a separate body. Does it work? And I'm like, I'm with you. Like that is a quandary. <laughs> it is because this takes you down all those other r- roads too. Uh, if you make any changes, what does that mean? What version of time travel are are we we dealing with? Are, are we suggesting that time is a is linear, or are we suggesting that by doing this you make an alternate? Mm-hmm. So, do you, and, and do all all involved in said decision actually know the ramifications of doing one thing versus another? So. Yes, uh, are you the guy that created time travel that allowed you to do this? So does changing your, you making a decision about your medical history in the past, will that now also create said paradox? In which case, then you don't make time travel and none of this happened. Or are you lighting off another universe <laughs> by, by <laughs> making a, a, a change? I like... I would still probably side based off of the limited information that you are making a decision about yourself as an adult, but it is still you. You so that would supersede your parents. I would think. All right. That that's where I stand with that. Unless you're going to give me more information that allows me to know that uh, you've just destroyed all of humanity by making the change. <laughs> <laughs> or or is this the thing where? Whatever decision you made, you always destined to go back and make that decision. But then you're in the paradox territory. It has you're you're. It's the doing. It's always been this way and forever will be this way. But you never get to the part where it started in the first place. Right. 
You've created the loop without initiating the loop. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting brain twister, and it definitely is. because of uh, our time travel uh, discussions and and stuff this this year, I definitely thought we should mention it here on the show. So uh, for all of uh, our um, um, physicists and those that study quantum mechanics out there, please feel free to write in and tell us what the correct answer to that is. Yeah. Yes, please. And Matt, thanks for the headache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Uh, you know what? Uh, all, doctors too, whatever's on your mind. What is your thoughts on, <laughs> what are your thoughts on adult versions of yourself superseding the wishes of the parents at the age that you, which you were? Right. Come on. I need, I need to know. What, what, <laughs> what is the law? <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for the top of the show. We're going to take a break, uh, play a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we are going to talk about 2010's Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. seasons, Sam and Dean Winchester have been busy with saving people, hunting things, and the family business on the CW Supernatural. It sounds like a lot for someone to come along and try to catch up on the hundreds of episodes this show has to offer. But that's exactly what we're making my little sister do, whether she likes it or not. I'm Matt. I'm PG. And I'm Jess. Two of us are huge fans, one of us is an unspoiled newbie, and we're watching every episode of Supernatural together. We discuss, analyze, and playfully mock this show all to realize that everyone dies and no one gets closure. Listen to Season 14, Time for a Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. wondered how you could have found such a treasure. The gods have a plan for you. A destiny. I've seen its power with my own eyes. Releasing the sand turns back time. Only the holder of the dagger is aware of what's happened. How did you do that? the dagger can unlock the sands of time and there are those who would use this power to destroy the world time will erase everything the only way to stop this armageddon is for us to take the dagger to the secret guardian temple we must take it there dastan you really enjoy telling me what to do don't you only because you're so good at following orders yeah don't press your luck the Sansons. They strike terror into the heart of all they cross. Such a noble prince. Leaping to assist the fallen beauty. Who said you were a beauty? There must be a reason why you can't take your eyes off me. You're... I... Fight him! The High Temple... It's guarded by some sort of demon. Dustin, where's the dagger? You're welcome to search me for it. You'll have to be very thorough. It's time. We have to get out of here. A pauper turned prince is accused of murdering his adoptive father. On the run with a beautiful princess, he discovers the real culprit and their designs on a mystical dagger that has the ability to turn back time for whoever wields it. The film stars Jake Gyllenhaal as Prince Daston, Gemma Arteton as Princess Tamina, and Ben Kingsley as Nizam. The film is an adaptation of the Ubisoft video game of the same name feel like this movie should have been called Prince of Parkour, The Sands of Time. <laughs> First time watch for me. Really? Yeah. It was one that's always... I, 
I remember when it came out, of course, never bothered to go to see it in the theater or anything. It had been one that I thought about uh, years ago. Matt and I talked about uh, video game adaptations uh, on movies. And that was one that was on the list of a possible viewing, uh, but never got around to it. So I've had it sitting around for a while. So yeah, this is the first time I've finally had a chance to uh, actually watch it. I watched it. It was two hours. It was okay. The funny thing, and you'll see Jerry Bruckheimer's name associated with it as a producer. This film has his hand all over it, whether or not he was the director or anything. This predates uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, doesn't it? Because it feels like a precursor to that. It has a similar feel. You know, I hadn't really thought about that, but honestly, even some of the themes and everything. No, Pirates of the Caribbean was 2006. Oh, okay. Dead Man's Chest. Was that the first one? No, Curse of the Black Pearl was 2003. Oh, my God. Holy cow, yeah. Time has passed a little bit more, in which case this is a cheaper version of of those. It it, it rings of that kind of feel, especially all the amber lighting and uh, persistent action, whether or not it calls for that. But the thing I noted while I was watching this is the speed at which we move from scene to scene to scene to scene. Like, I I feel like everybody is on camera. They say their lines. We move into the action sequence and leave that action sequence, say some more lines, go into the next action sequence. We don't get time to, to like, nurse any of this. There's no no thought. It's just do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. No, it does not give you any time to digest what you just watched. And it's pretty enough. But this also, again, watching it in this day and age, too, um, and I mentioned we were going to discuss this, this is a whitewashed-as-hell film. Yeah, quite. I believe it's it's gotten a lot of criticism uh, since its release for that very reason. And I realize it's all based off of video games, so none of this has anything to do with anything, really. No. Well... And even, even historically, you know, some of the things that they, they, they pull out, the idea of, you know, uh, who the Persians were and what the Persians did and, and things, none of it is historically accurate. No, uh, not that I was expecting that out of this film, but there's not a single actor in this who you could put roughly in that area of the world. <laughs> I was going to say, I was just thinking, there was, was there any dark-skinned actors? And there was one, and he was played for the, uh, oh, the mystical dark-skinned guy with the amazing... Uh, the knife-throwing? Knife-throwing talent. Yeah, right. and he wasn't supposed to be from Persia in the first place. No, no. He was from the darker Africa, deeper African continent. Well, and you had Ben Kingsley in there. Mm-hmm. So at least... Semi-regional, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Everybody else had no no business playing one of these characters, uh, especially not Jigsaw. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, it is based off a video game. It's just unfortunately that video game is based in a particular part of the world, right? So watching it it, it, it didn't sit right with me. I'm like, you could have called this anything else and it would have been better. <laughs> this is another one of these films where there are some elements that feel very 80s. You know, we've got our hero that comes in and, hey, sorry for slaughtering a bunch of your men. You want a date? <laughs> sure, you're handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, remember, this was the time of Persia. That's just how you did it. Yeah. <clears throat> you either got your uh, you got your princess either by uh, married, arranged marriage or by, by military action. She has very little, if no say in it, whatsoever. And in, in, this, in this film, the king, hey, sorry we invaded your, your city, our bad. 
You know what we should do? You should marry one of my sons. So that's a done deal. (laughs) (laughs) Which was particularly interesting since uh, if it's... They didn't spend a whole lot of time with it, but this is supposed to be a, a holy city of a kind, and she is more or less the ruler uh, of said holy city. So she doesn't get any say whatsoever? <laughs> yeah, and they call her princess, but we never actually meet the there's no, king. Yeah, there's no king or queen or anything. Yeah, it's, a, it's very... Very bizarre. Well, they just didn't want to have to call her a queen. You can't call her a queen. She's not married yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, you can be a queen and not be married. Well, of course you can, but not in this film. <laughs> <laughs> I also noticed that no matter what transpired with our stars, they always looked fresh as a daisy. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, all, all it took was a little splash of water. <laughs> I've never played the game. I really actually don't know anything about Prince of Persia, the game. No. So I don't know how much of the plot is pulled from the game and how much of the plot is just someone coming up with generic plot number seven. Because it is a very generic plot. We've seen this countless times. It's Shakespearean, isn't it? It, it Honestly, it actually is. If you take out the the time-traveling dagger. Uh, Yeah, no. uh, Otherwise, this is like Hamlet. Take out the mom parts and all that, but no, I mean seriously, the the uncle take wants to take over. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This one just uses the idea of time travel in order to do it. Yeah, he doesn't want to actually take over. He wants to actually reverse time so that his brother doesn't exist. It's already kind of bad enough too. You get almost two-thirds of the way through the film before you hear the story that is the impetus for the plan. The whole the brothers saved the king from a lion when they were children. We didn't learn about that till almost the third act. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. And, and, and the massive plan is to 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 spend all of the the uh, glor- all, all of the treasure and lives and all that to find this stupid damn dagger <laughs> and the sand to which to uh, to uh, stab. We're told by Dastan that that's what Nizam wants to do. We actually never hear it from Nizam. Nope. It's all just done in sort of like, that's why he wants the digger. If he sticks it, 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 it now that all the sand will come out, it'll rewind time. He can go back, and then my, my father will never be born. Or, or, or if a father will die at the hand of the tiger. And none of the, none of the boys will be exist. Yeah. Um, okay, that's a hell of a leap. <laughs> I would think just owning a dagger that can turn back time would be enough for someone to allow themselves to put themselves in power you would think although uh it it is used to very weird effect most of the time (laughs) definitely need to talk about the the time travel element in this i actually kind of like the effect of the whole literally turning back the sands of time uh taking the metaphor to a you know a physical um representation the device, the notion, the idea behind it, it is not bad. The effect that they do it is is relatively cool in, in the way that it's pulled off. But where I'm saying is the, the it's not ac- the actual effect. It's that it's pointlessly used in, in this case, since the uh, the dagger itself only winds back one minute um, whenever it's used. And it's just most of the use was done by accident at first. Uh, and, and then when it is used, it's used for the same purpose as what happened during the accident, which is to prevent somebody from dying. Like we did, we pulled that gag. Couldn't you use it for something more important? And then when you do get to the climactic scene at the end with the, with the whole, they, they've, somehow explained that if you die if you activate the dagger while putting it into the hourglass thing that the gods have made um that that's how you'll get 
to do the time travel, only it's supposed to unravel the entirety of the universe. When we get to that scene, and we actually do that thing where they activate the knife while it's stuck into the uh, to the hourglass, none of it goes down the way as explained. And it's not entirely clear how it happened, how what happened happened in the way that it did. Well, whatever it is was starting to shatter, and if it completely shatters, then that's the end of the world or the end of the universe. So somehow Destan manages to pull the knife out before the entire thing shatters. Did he pull the knife out, or did he just close the button? Uh, yes, both. Sure. He but, closed the button and pulled it out. Well, yeah, but I guess I guess it's because he was the one holding it. But how does it how does it decide where to stop? What? Why didn't well, he get to go to a point in which that would be most effective for him? It just rewinds time. Uh, no one has any control over uh, where or how far back it takes him, other than how much time is available from that dagger. But since it was in the like you said, the, the hourglass thing or whatever it was, it just so happens to take him back to right after they've invaded uh, Alamut. But but did it do that because it was him? Would it have ever gone back to the point in time where the dude wanted to go? No, I don't think it was a matter of one. I think it was just coincidence. It the, just happened. That's where they ended up. The only thing that I want to give it a little credit for and where it at least kind of works for me is it at least took him back to a point in time in which he was actually in possession of the dagger. At no point be before that did he ever actually possess the dagger. That particular point in time where it stopped, it's right after he took possession of the dagger. It, it's when it was in his belt after he had taken it from the other guy. So, at least in that scenario, that kind of makes sense. In which case, it, it begs the question, if, uh, if Ben Kingsley's character had managed to get it, would it actually have done what he wanted it to do? Because at no point did he actually possess the dagger. He had only possessed it long enough to go down into the hole so could he have only ever backed up to the point in which he actually possessed the dagger yeah that's a good point because yeah if it had taken him that far back he couldn't still have the dagger because the dagger right, is he'd have been in the a other child, room yeah and that <clears throat> dagger would have been yeah in the in the chamber so so i am actually trying to give this movie credit <laughs> <laughs> whether or not no, that's actually what they set out to do. <laughs> yeah, whether it was just a uh, a really uh, genius mistake or if it was uh, designed on purpose that way. Yeah, like um, I'd actually love to ask the writers, was that your intent? Mm. When, well, at this point, they'll go, well, yeah, well, of, of course. Because <laughs> they're like, of course, because that's brilliant. Mm. But... <laughs> Of which I would say, you're welcome, and then that'll be... <laughs> like, I'll, I'll need a consulting fee for improving your film. Talk about the cast a little bit. Jake Gyllenhaal. I didn't like him in this, but I can't really put a finger on why. Again, my why still goes with, with the... He had no business being <laughs> in a film where he's supposed to be Persian. So well, yeah. That that for all of them that's the part that's going to continually stick in my craw and like like you are not <laughs> who you're supposed to be. So um so I don't care that they put a really decent tan on you. Um it, it's just a lighter version of blackface. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. So it starts to not hit it doesn't feel right and then he, he's a likable guy uh, he, he he's kind of funny uh, jake gyllenhaal across the board i have seen him in things that i like and, and i guess i kind of like 
him as an actor and as the characters that he plays some of the time, but there's always something that's just a little off. Like, I can't fully buy in, and I don't know, I really don't have an explanation as to why. Yeah, and maybe that's where I'm feeling on this one. I kind of wish it were someone else. I'm not sure who. I just... No, uh, but, yeah, it just... I mean, kudos to him for getting into the shape he got in, um... And if he did any of the actual stunts and all that, then even more so. But, mm-hmm. but like, there could have been a different vehicle to do that. Jimmy Ar- Gemma Arter- Arterton, I think, is it's that's a tough name. I, I kept keep wanting to throw a I keep wanting to throw an H in there and give it an Arterton, but yeah. no, it's Arterton as Tamina. Again. You know, she's very pale for a, a Persian princess, but she does have that sort of exotic quality that the role demanded. I mean, the whole idea was she's supposed to be like this jewel of, of the desert sort of thing that everyone would uh, be lucky to just gaze on, much less having you know an audience with or something like that i i think she really does have that and she portrayed that in this film really well so that was a good cast doesn't hurt that she's always easy on the eyes yeah she's a beautiful woman there's no doubt about that um you mentioned before we started recording that you you know she wasn't highly sexualized not as much as you might expect of a film of this type and of this time right uh other than the fact that she was treated like a possession through the entire film and also didn't seem to have an issue with that, her character, I should say. Well, yeah, uh, I I was of two minds about that because she... I don't know if it's that she didn't care or that she just chose to always rise above it. Mm, Like, Like... Yeah, she was kind of accepting that this is what was happening because apparently this is the world that they lived in, whatever world this is actually supposed to be. Uh, but she was kind of like, I, I, I'm not putting up with any of it. I, you can say it. It doesn't mean I'm going to like any of it or necessarily follow it. I'm not going to get my kid self-killed over it, but this is not going to go your way. <laughs> She did have that attitude the whole time through. You might be imposing this on me, but it is not going to go your way. It'll go <laughs> however I dictate. But you can say what you want. <laughs> right. Okay. So I, I was taking that kind of stance, in which case I love the way that she played that. But it, mm-hmm. it, th- this goes back to just how the, the whole movie plays out. Everything's just super rushed through. Uh, ben Kingsley as Prince Nizam. Uh, ben Kingsley's in a film. Of course he's the bad guy. <laughs> it's Ben Kingsley. <laughs> he's either the perfect good guy or he is the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, there's no no surprises there. Those are the three big stars. Alfred Molina does a, a, appear, has a, has a role as well. Um, the other names in the top of the cast I'm not familiar with. Well, I, I know I've seen Richard Coyle in, in stuff. Yeah, a few of them looked familiar, but I wouldn't be able to tell you from what I, I saw them in. Yeah, no, I know he has a decent filmography and all that. But again, the the thing that's really the standout as I click on a bunch of these, this is supposed to be Persia, but a good hunk of these people are from from England. Yeah, yeah, it was just... <laughs> the King was someone I know I had seen before. I'm not sure from where. Um, I don't think it was from his 1964 appearance in Doctor Who, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, other than that, not, not a whole lot of uh, people out there that I was familiar with. I'm trying to think of what else I wanted to say about the film, and I'm kind of coming up blank. It's really that kind of movie. It's just... It's fine. It's It's... It's not two hours wasted. I would have preferred it if it had been an hour and a half wasted, but yeah, it was it was all right. I, I think that's what's kind of funny about this is at the pace that this thing was moving the entire time, I think it's miraculous that it's two hours. 
Now, granted, in the two hours, we kind of pulled off some of the same gags over and over again. Sure. Um, and a lot of this, and that is one thing that I knew from the video game. I've seen the video game. I've not played it myself. But uh, the Prince of Persia, Dustin, in, in this, and I keep set wanting to say Dustin since it's Dusty. Um, <laughs> um, but that character in the game um, w- was known for his acrobatics. That's part of what you did in the game. Mm-hmm. So watching the car- watching Jake Gyllenhaal either perform or a stunt double perform a lot of the those uh those feats is very fitting to the game so there were there were a few moments that whether they were truly in the game or not you felt like okay i am watching what took place in the video game yep it definitely is a video game adaptation yeah i mean my wife was watching some of it and she looked it up and she's like yeah that's exactly what this feels like yeah, it feels like you're watching a video game, and, and maybe that's more or less what uh, what you're feeling too when you get to the actual uh, quote unquote acting scenes. Is you're you're looking at the cut scenes that happen between the action part where you actually play as the character, and, and, and to a degree, yeah, that's kind of what this feels like too. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it is. There's a story, it's flimsy, and because we need to get to the next action sequence, because that's where you get to be the player, uh, the stuff in between all just happens at such a clip that it, uh, it, you don't get any time to actually absorb. So it's like the audience has the controller in the hand there and just hitting the skip? <laughs> yeah, like, like the spots where we introduce even Alfred Molina, who is amazing in it, he's fun, uh, I, I, I loved his character in it just for the fact that he sits kind of outside the world that we're watching. He is he is clearly a man of another space and time, so so to speak. But this is where he's at. So um, the whole deal with him and his ostrich racing and and all of that 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 stuff's kind of a kick. Well, he's like he's he's the NPC or something. He's the you know the, the the person you bump into that's going to grant you that the uh, the the thing that you need to complete your next quests and that sort of thing. Exactly, and, and actually, the, one of the best sequences is uh, when when his char- uh, his character Amar and Sesso, the uh, the dagger throwing guy, when they have decided to at least continue along on the quest and all that. There is a point in which, because Sesso is supposed to be his servant after having had his life saved and all that stuff, there is a point where he goes, he goes back to Amar and goes, "Do you actually ever stop talking?" Because <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Molina's character, which was part of his charm, is he just never shuts up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he's the one out of all of them that you actually enjoy what he's actually saying while he's saying it. The rest of it's just coming off as flat. I'm reading my lines because that's what's on the paper. (laughs) This one would be a, if you haven't seen it, a tentative, you know, sure. I guess if you've got the time, it's like you, you said it earlier. I mean, it looked pretty. Yeah. It's nice to look at. I mean, there are some some good action scenes. Uh, the parkour is impressive. Yeah, no, I, 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 and it's a little fun, even when we're attacking the city that we don't need to be attacking, and then apologizing for killing everybody. Um, yeah, the sequence where um, our hero actually comes up with the plan to get in, so that because his brothers apparently just want to storm the castle so to speak um that sequence was actually rather quite a bit of fun so shall i i only dug up one review for for this uh it was roger ebert Um, yeah sure he's always good for it uh he gave it a whopping two stars so i mean he absolutely loved it (laughs) (laughs) 
That's actually high praise for Robert Roger Ebert. Yeah. Uh, so uh, again, there's a, a standard uh, stuff. Uh, there's a, mostly synopsis in here, but I love the opening part of this because he goes, "Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time" is a children's story beefed up to appeal to young teens. It's based on a video game, but don't make me play it. Let me guess. The push-button magic dagger is used in the game to let you rewind and try something again, right? Since anything in the story, any death for example, can be reversed, the stakes are several degrees below urgent. So, his overall take on this is it's just happening. And I think that that part about the whole it's not urgent that is actually the blessing and the curse of the dagger the dagger is actually kind of a fun way to do the time travel part but because it's clearly a device that's used in a video game to give you an opportunity to reset a mistake that you made in the game well that's how it's used in in the movie too so by doing that there's no stakes. There, there, I, I'm not sitting on the edge of my seat waiting, wondering, is something really going to happen? Because it's not. It's just not. Right. We're going to get it a do-over no matter what. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's a really good point. And maybe that's, aside from the fact that it's rushed and it's flat and all that, uh, I mean, it is pretty. It is that. It's a little offensive <laughs> from, from that, that one perspective. But... Uh, but I mean, I think that actually kind of gets to the heart of it, which is that I'm not really worried about what's going to happen in this film. I, I have no stakes in it because there are nothing to be had. So I can't get Uber involved in, is something bad going to happen to my favorite character? Because it's not. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, especially when at one point, you know, the kind of towards the climax of the film, our hero is apparently killed. But you're like, yeah, yeah, with with a time traveling dagger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah, think I, I mean, see where this is going. <laughs> I mean, even when we first get introduced to to the dagger, the very first time he accidentally presses the jewel and sends himself a, back in time, um, he's about to have a sword shoved up his nose by his uh, future wife. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the closest you got to actual danger, and even that wasn't... You got the cool gimmick, but, I mean, at no point did you think anything bad was really going to happen. So, yeah, I, I, I think that... I, I think Roger's on to something there. It's just that it, the movie doesn't have any bite, because there's... At no point do you feel like something could actually go wrong. Right, there, there is no consequences to any of these actions because you can just undo it. Well, and it's not like you didn't telegraph from the beginning of this film that all the bad things that happened to Dustin entirely over the course of the film weren't going to get completely erased. Right down, it took us all the way back to his thought... To before his father was killed. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, literally every bad thing went away. And he still got the girl. <laughs> <laughs> Who shouldn't at this point know anything about him. Right, but she just feels some connection to him for she, some reason. She, she does. And, of course, because he's slick and pretty, why wouldn't mm-hmm. it work? <laughs> yeah, of course. Anyway. Even though he... Kill. He's responsible for the death of half of your army, right? Yeah, no, and he, who knows how many innocents? Yeah, and and, and I, I have to imagine whoever he killed to get the knife from in the first place. Uh, uh, I assume that character died. I'm a little fuzzy on that because there was some mm-hmm. there was some dude behind her at the end of the film that was nursing like a broken arm or something, and I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, was that the guy that she gave the dagger to? take off on but uh wouldn't that be just the way that everybody comes out happy in the end other than all those peasants that were killed (laughs) no they were just wounded yes they're fine (laughs) yes no i definitely have disney written all over it (laughs) (laughs) there there might have been death but it was implied and it 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 didn't hurt (laughs) right (laughs) 
Well, I don't have anything else to say about Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Um, it had a little bit of time travel in it, so it fit within the, uh, it did. the theme. It but... did. We wanted to explore all, all the potential ways in which it's been used in, in, in stuff, and this is a very minor, but it fits the, it fits the theme. Well, next time, the next episode, we're going to talk about one where time travel plays a much larger role. In the uh, in the story, we're gonna go back to television and look at 1982's Voyagers. Woo! Should be fun. I have not watched this since probably not since it was on TV. Oh, I guarantee I haven't seen a single episode since 1982 or 83, whenever it went off the air, because uh, it was I, only a didn't season. It, didn't it run on Sci-Fi? If Maybe it, a a little bit. If it did, I never saw it. Okay, so, all right, fair enough. Seriously, I've, I haven't watched this since I was in grade school. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, this should be this should be interesting. So we'll have a lot that we'll watch and probably get at least a couple episodes under our belt. Uh, we'll watch the pilot and then maybe uh, we'll we'll pick one or two uh, random ones uh, after that. And because uh, we only got we, there's only a finite number of episodes for this one. <laughs> It did not last long. No, unfortunately. So until then, uh, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Please check out the uh, the link tree link in the show notes and check out all our social medias and all the different ways that you, su- you can support the show. Until we talk to you, uh, bye. See ya. Someday I'll actually uh, spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>